0: Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 5, this is Lesson 32. We're going to pick up on page 18. I should have read one more statement, but never mind. (laughs) So, the last statement I left you with was the reason, remember again, we we talked about the fact that if there was a a manuscript that was copied and just one jot or tittle was left out, that would just destroy the whole thing. And the, and the statement I left you with was the reason for such perfection was simple. It had to be written perfectly because there was one coming who was going to fulfill it perfectly. There could be no room for error. And why Jesus says in effect, not one I will be left undotted and not one T will be left uncrossed. William MacDonald writes, even in what might seem small, unimportant details, nothing in scripture, even the smallest stroke is without significance. With this insight, we can now understand why William Hendrickson, in his commentary, translates Matthew 5.18 as Jesus literally saying, "For For I solemnly declare to you, until heaven and earth disappears, not even the tiniest letter or the tiniest hook on a letter will in any way disappear from the law until all it calls for, shall have taken place. Wow. Amen? Now, the reason for making such a strong statement was because up to this point, everything uh, he has been teaching, that's Jesus, has been teaching, has been totally contrary to what his listeners were used to. Because in Jesus' time, you didn't love your enemy, you conquered them. (laughs) <laughs> okay, alright? In fact, when we look at Hebrews chapter 11, I put this in here because I thought it will help you. You know, what we see is in part, uh, excuse me, what we see is in part, is a record of all past victories, given special mention. Verses 29 through 34 says that, by faith Moses and the children of Israel passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. Yay. okay verse 30 by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days that's by Joshua and the children of Israel 31 by faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe so they perished by the way when she had received the spies with peace so she lived they died Okay, you can see a theme happening here, right? Verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, this is who defeated the army of the Midianites, comprising of 135,000 men with just 300. Wow. Judges, that's in Judges chapter 6 uh, through 8. That's chapter 6 through 8. And Barak, who defended the Canaanites, that's in Judges 4. And Samson, who single-handedly defeated the Philistines, Judges thirteen through sixteen. Jephthah, who defeated the Ammonites, there's a reference, Judges eleven through twelve. And also David, who defeated Goli- Goliath and every army that opposed Israel, and was crowned king. And Samuel and the prophets, verse thirty-three, that I'm mean, Hebrews eleven thirty-three, who through faith subdued kingdoms. They didn't love them. <laughs> They subdued them, okay? (laughs) Worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mounts of lions. Verse 34 quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, and turned to flight the armies of the aliens. You know, that's not aliens from space. Those are people that were alien to them, okay? Now, you know, I've said here with this kind of history and legacy, now along comes Jesus. And they're waiting for Him to say, and this is how we're going to conquer Rome. Right. So, you know, when He came, here come the great prophet, He come the Messiah. This is the reason why we're going to, when we run into, around John chapter 6, I think, they, you know, we find that they're starting to insist that He become king. Not because they want to have Him there teaching them how to live in peace. And giving them food out of nothing, because you know, just need a few loaves and fishes, and we're good for the week. You know, do the groceries that Jesus Mart. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay, n- not for any of those reasons, because they just want him to conquer Rome. Mm-hmm. And then we can get back to the place where David was. You know why they had peace? Because there was nobody to fight them. It was peace by default, you know? <laughs> you know? When there's nobody opposing you, you can have peace. Because there's nobody opposing you. They've all been conquered, you know? So that's the that's reason why again, they were really looking for that. Why Jesus was such a disappointment. After this rich history of conquering and overcoming and all of these things, the descendant of David would come and they would, he would just conquer, he would be the Messiah. So they're looking forward to all of this happening. They're saying, okay, 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 we know you can heal, that's great. When, we get in, you know, when we're fighting and any of our men fall, they, they don't need to die. They'll just, you just raise them back up and we'll keep going. The Roman army has no chance. You know? I mean, even if we're fighting with pitchforks, if you can't kill an army, you know, and they're not zombies, okay, if you can't kill an army, you're going to lose. Can I get an amen on that? So it's just like, my goodness, you feed this army, you heal this army, you strengthen this army, they can walk on water. We don't need ships even. We can make a sea attack on foot. (laughs) I'm trying to say, are you getting this? So, you know, we've got this kind of guy here. It's like, all right, Jesus, enough of this pussyfooting around. Let's get on with it. And my goodness, what a disappointment. He begins to say... Love your enemies? No! This is not what we paid for. Can we get another Messiah? Thank you. This one's a little defective. <laughs> you know, this one's getting a sheep around him all the time. I not even know. All right, no, Not that he did. All right. <clears throat> So again, I said, and with this kind of history and legacy, now along comes Jesus preaching love and humility. When all that Israel wanted was another King David to come and conquer the Roman Empire and put all the power that they lost through disobedience back into their hands. Did you get that? Okay, that's why it says. See, you know what? You know what? Just give me a minute. Do you understand that if, if they said obedient to God, they would have not been conquered. Do you know that? See, we see the results of disobedience, but we never understand what the results of obedience would have been. They would have never had this problem. So, now they've got a problem because of their disobedience. They want somebody to come, in spite of their disobedience, and get rid of all the problems. So they can continue in their disobedience without any problems. It's just like the guy that wants to come and get healed, so he, not so he can go to work, but so he can comfortably sit at home and watch TV. That's right. Okay? (laughs) Not that he's going to go out and do any good, wonderful acts. He's just been uncomfortable all this time watching TV. He wants to do it comfortably. (laughs) Okay? Hey, see what I'm trying to say, right? Amen. Okay. Going on, that's why it says in John chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, just having fed the 5,000 men and their families with just two loaves and two fishes, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come, listen, and take him by force to make him king, did you see this? He departs again to the mountain by himself. That was, that was in John chapter 6. Hey, I got that one right. There you go. All right. So do you, 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 you see now, that's the reason why. There was nothing noble about it. It was selfish. And that's the, that's, the, that's the thing that, you know, a lot of times in ministry we need to be careful. That people don't get selfish in the things they're asking the minister to do. It's not because they want to do anything better. They're like, well, we're paying you. Go do all this. All, you do all our spiritual stuff on our behalf. Like where you're going to get to heaven and, you know, God is going to look at me and go... Oh, Pastor Roche prayed six hours that day. Okay, well let's credit that to Leo and Susanna. They didn't pray one minute. That's not going to happen. Neither is it going to work the other way. Just because Leo and Susanna prayed six hours and Pastor Roche said, I'm watching TV today, forget about them. You know, they're on their own God. (laughs) Not that I would ever say that. Okay, but I'm just saying, you know, God's not going to look at Lou and Susanna and go, Oh, they prayed six hours. We'll credit that to Roche. A bit of a stinker. It's not going to happen. If I don't pray, I I need to uh, answer for that. Are you all with me? Amen? And see, that's what they always want to do. It's just like, you do the praying for us. You do this for us. You do that for us. You're the preacher. But isn't it, isn't it sad They never understand. And God said, I have made you kings and priests unto God. Every single person in the body of Christ. Which is why he says, you are now seated at the right hand of God. That's a king and a priest. You now have authority. That's a king and a priest. So you better do something as a king and a priest. Amen? Amen. So here finally was the Messiah all Israel had been waiting for and Isaiah had been pro- uh, had prophesied about it in Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7 where he wrote for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given notice a son could only be given cuz he already existed yeah. amen all right and the government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace i'm turning over the page for me anyway verse 7 Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. Which means it's a supernatural kingdom. Otherwise, it can't be. So, this I've said here, this tells us that this was no ordinary kingdom because no ordinary person can rule forever. And it goes on to say, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And, if all this wasn't enough, (laughs) okay? (laughs) We have the angel Gabriel saying in Luke chapter 1, verses 32 and 33, He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. There it is. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Wow. Amen. See, what they were thinking was, this is a natural kingdom. That's still coming. But remember again that he came, he brought the kingdom of God into this earth. Remember that? And they said, the people would be saying, where is the kingdom? Is it here? Is it there? And he said, the kingdom is in you. So what he brought was a kingdom that we would carry within ourselves. And as a group, we would become... See. That's the kind of real estate that God's looking at. It isn't the physical land. It's as we come together, it grows. The kingdom grows with more people. So every time somebody gets saved and comes into the kingdom, the kingdom has grown. And the the thing is, not all the kingdom is here. Some of it is in heaven. Listen, some of those that have got saved are in heaven now. And they're a part of that kingdom. And so... That's why we can, you know, if we put it all together, it would be so much bigger than this planet. Do you understand? Because so many have gone on before us, and they're all part of that kingdom. That's why Jesus said, this kingdom is not of this earth. My kingdom is not of this earth. Remember when he was being questioned? Anyway, I I won't go into that, because that's a whole other bunch of stuff. Anyway, let's get back to this. So with all this prophecy which Jesus himself said that he, came, he had come to fulfill, nobody could understand why he was constantly carrying on about love and peace and forgiveness. All they wanted was for him to get on with it and conquer Rome. Overthrow the government, set up his everlasting kingdom, and then they would be happy to talk about all this love and peace and forgiveness business. Once they were in control of Rome and all of its empire. All right? Sadly, this was what the problem was. They had failed to see and understand that Isaiah had also gone on to say through prophecy, and we'll read in Isaiah chapter fifty-three now. See, people, I told you—you you know, people are our favorite word. People, not all the word. Here is the rest of the word. Okay, in verse four, reading through to verse seven. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows; yet we didn't—we did esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. That was on the cross. Okay. But he was wounded for our transgressions because of our sin. Okay? He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or punishment for our peace was upon him. So the price for our peace was upon him. This is the reason why he could give us peace because he paid for it. Okay? And he goes on to say, and by his stripes we are healed. That's the reason why we can have healing because he bore that punishment for us to receive our healing. Wow. So he paid lots of prices that day. And like I said, it didn't end on the cross. Okay. Verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of of us all. So for all of our misconduct, for all the times that we went astray, and we just decided we don't have nothing to do with this, or we will, you know, knowingly did something wrong. Can we put our hand up here? Okay, times when you knew it was wrong, but you did it anyway. Hello, okay, you repented later, but you knew that point in time, you, you know. And, but then there are also the things that you just didn't know. And somebody says, you know, you hurt me, and you go, oh, I didn't mean to, I'm so sorry. There were those times as well. All of that is sin, no or don't know, it's still sin. Are you all with me? Amen? You, you, you see the reality of this when you're driving in a car, and suddenly you see lights behind you, and they pull you over, and you go, what? And they say, you were doing 70 in the 60K zone. I didn't know. Well, too bad. You're still getting the ticket. <laughs> you know The I didn't know part doesn't excuse you. You're still getting penalized for the sin. Are you all with me? And that's the same way with us. Whether we know it or not, we still get penalized for it. And so he died for all of it. This is incredible, okay? That's what he's saying. That's what it says. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. You know what that tells us? He didn't say, I don't deserve this. This is not fair. Why should I have to bear all of this? I did nothing wrong. Do you understand? He just took it all. Because he saw all of our faces. And he said, I'm doing this for you. Wow. Amen? Amen. It, says, it says he was led as a lamb to slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Amen. In fact, see, and let me just stop here. This is what they didn't see, this is what they didn't want to acknowledge. This is what they kept pushing aside and saying, we don't want to know that part. But this had to be done before he could be the conqueror. This had to be done so that we could be redeemed. This, could be, this needed to be done so that we could come back with him when he conquered. And he wouldn't be alone when he came back. Hallelujah. We'll get to all that when we get to end times. Because that's all a part of his life, isn't it? Amen? All right. Uh, hopefully Jesus won't come first. Okay, <laughs> I'm still negotiating with him. <laughs> Just wait, wait till I get to the end, the last thing. Then you can take us all out. You know, all right. In fact, it was in relation to this that uh, John the Baptist said in John 1:29, "Behold, the Lamb of God." He didn't say he didn't say the line of Judah that has come to overthrow Rome. He said, "Behold, the Lamb of God." takes away the sin of the world hallelujah this is not what the people wanted but it was what they desperately needed and sadly didn't know it so we can now fully understand why jesus had to say again in matthew chapter 5 and verse 17 do not think that i came to destroy the law the prophets i did not come to destroy but to fulfill amen Notice again how this verse makes reference both to the Law and the Prophets. In other words, as we mentioned earlier in passing, that meant that Jesus not only fulfilled all the Law, but all the Prophets and their prophecies about Him as well. See, that's the thing about Jesus. They said all of these things were going to happen. Now, let me just, let me just share something with you very quickly. In Jesus' life, he was alive before he came. Listen now, okay? He was God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Okay? Alright. And so as God, he was He was able to order all the things that would take place when he got here. Now this is now this is one of those really, how can I put this? It's one of those things that a lot of people find very difficult to understand. Because where does free will come in? You know, where does um, people's objection, people's rebellion, you know, people not wanting to do what God's asking them to do, come in? Okay? Let me just say this. He ordered a set of circumstances to happen... That he needed to do something. He needed to come in a certain way. He needed to do something. And he needed a certain result at the end. Listen to me. It could have... See, you know what the biggest miracle of the life of Jesus is? That the thing actually worked. Because all the religious people that were meant to be on on his side, were against him. Listen. The whole plan was that He had given them all these types and shadows about He was going to come. They would make sacrifices to tell themselves that when the Lamb of God appeared, this is how we are to to treat this Lamb. This is what He's going to be doing, and so on and so forth. He turns up, they're mad at Him. They don't want anything to do with Him. Everything that they they had received, they had twisted and gone in another direction. That's why I keep saying that the miracle of it to me is the thing actually worked my goodness, everything went wrong. You know the the old saying, if it could go wrong, it will go wrong? It did. The whole thing. Because it's in in, a cursed planet. Listen, so God will order things out a certain way in your life as well. And regardless how rebellious people might be around you, regardless of how stubborn and um, unhelpful they might be, whatever He says about your life will still come to pass, if you believe Him. Did you get what I just said? Don't ever look at the life of Jesus and go, well, you know, he had it made. <laughs> Far from it. If anything, his life shows us that you can have everyone against you. But if God's on your side, that's all you need. Which is why the apostle Paul says, if God is for us, who can come against us? Do you know that was all about Jesus and everybody else okay, who belong to the kingdom? If God is for you, regardless of who's coming against you, you will win. Don't ever think that you're the minority. Don't ever think, yeah, but God, they're all just rebelling and not doing what they're meant to do. And blah, 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 blah. If only they did what they were meant to do, then everything will work. Yeah, listen, God's bigger than all of that. My God shall supply all of my need according to His riches and glory. Not this bunch of... People down here want to say something else, but I'll leave, this <laughs> leave some adjectives out. Okay? Yeah, amen? I need you to get this, because sometimes we think, and the devil will make us think, oh, if they did this, then everything would have been okay. Dude, <laughs> I thought you believed in God. Are you all here? This is how the devil gets your eyes off God and onto people. Stop judging. You're sinning. Where's your faith? In people or God? Amen. As the Muppets say, moving right along. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> in his commentary, John MacArthur writes, This speaks of fulfillment in the same sense that prophecy is fulfilled. Christ indicates that he fulfills the law in all its aspects. He fulfills the moral law by keeping it perfectly. He fulfills the ceremonial law by being the embodiment of everything to which the laws, types, and symbols pointed. Like he's the lamb, okay and everything that he was, it was meant to represent. And he fulfills the judicial law by personifying God's perfect justice. Alright, briefly, the moral law is the embodiment of two great principles. Love God, love, and your neighbor. Okay, and love your neighbor. It is what is brought out in Matthew chapter 22, where it says in verses 36 through 40, you know these verses, but I'm going to read them anyway. He says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? This is now the moral law. And Jesus said to him, verse 37, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Let me stop there for a second. That's what he says. The first thing that comes out of his mouth. You know, I wish we could hear it for the first time again. You know, somebody has just said, what's the greatest law? Wouldn't we all just be like, whoa, okay, this is a really good question. What is it? Anything that this man is about to say now is gold. All right. And the first he could have said anything. Listen, he could have said anything. I mean, he could have spoken universal things that we would have no idea what he's on about. But what's the simplicity of it? Straight away, he turns around and he says, "Love God." And don't and let me tell you how, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, all of your mind, you know? Okay? So, he says again, your heart, soul, and mind. He says, this is the first and great commandment. He says, you want one, keep this one. If you want a second one, I'll give you a second one. <laughs> okay. Listen, he's doing this in, a, in, a, in an order, on purpose. I wish that people would do it in this order. Most churches do it in reverse. They love the people more than God. They c- cater for the people more than God. Because, you know, God's spiritual brother, the people, pay us. So let's cater for the people first. Let's do everything to bring them in. Hello. Isn't it funny when Jesus had masses following Him, and then He says something, and they all walk out, and He turns to His disciples and says, You want to go too? (laughs) You know, He didn't care. He came to do God's will. He didn't care what they thought. Now listen, you know, if they received what He said, they would bless them. But if they got all upset, he'd say, there's the door. Don't let it hit you on the way out. I'm just saying. You know, okay? <coughs> See, he didn't care. He cared for people, but he cared for God more. Do you get this? That's why he says, commandment one, love God. With all of your heart, not a divided heart. Did you get me? Because sometimes people have divided hearts. How much do I love God? How much do I love the people? Today I think I love the people more. Because it's more profitable for me? No. Love God with all of your heart. And all of your soul. Remember the guy that was building the barns? And he said, soul, soul, we have so much stuff. What else can we do? Build a bigger barn. Jesus said, you fool, you're going to lose it today. You're going to lose your soul. Huh? All of your soul. Don't have your soul divided either. Because that's where the soul gets divided. Between God and money. Hmm? And with all of your mind. In other words, keep your mind stayed on him. Don't be double minded. And then so and he says this is the first and great commandment, verse 39, he says, And the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself. See, a lot of people will do a lot of stuff for them, but they won't do it for their neighbor. You know, brother, you, you know, I take care of number one, you know, me. The old, what's in it for me? I want the biggest piece of the pie. They can have leftovers. Hello? In all areas of life. Are you all with me? So Jesus says, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. What would, how many excuses do you make for yourself to do something? I know I don't have the money, but I really like that. I'll just get it. We'll fix, we'll, we'll do it on credit. Somebody else asks, oh, sorry brother, I don't have the money for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, okay. You know, I've said this before. You'll always, you'll always find a way when it's important to you. You always will. It's just a thing. Amen. And so he says, verse 40, he says, On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. I think this is incredible. Because he says, listen, you do these two things, and it will take care of all, not the law, but all the prophets, and all the stuff that the rabbis are building on top of all of it. Hello? Because it's got so confusing, you guys don't know what to do anymore. Let me give you two, for their 6,000 or whatever. Let me give you two. Love God in this way. All your heart, your soul, your mind, love your neighbor as yourself. That will take care of everything. Amen. Amen. Jesus kept both these commandments perfectly and was therefore oh, we' out the time and was therefore sinless throughout his entire life on min- and ministry. In fact, not only did Jesus keep the moral law perfectly, but he also fulfilled judicial and civil laws perfectly as well. We are going to pick this up next week. Hallelujah. Okay. Let's pray and conclude for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for this time together. We thank you, Father, for everything that we have learned. And we thank you, God, that...